Welcome into another episode of We're Talking Today. Craig Malonsaw and Danny Reed of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Danny, how are you this morning? Doing well, buddy. How are you doing? I am excellent. It's Monday. Cajun swept. Georgia Southern swept. Texas State swept. Uh, not sweeps all around, but good weekend for uh, Sunbelt baseball, in my opinion. Well, in, in our case, we were probably hoping that somebody was going to at least lose one so you could pick up a game somewhere because Georgia Southern's a game back. Texas State sweeps. Georgia Southern sweeps. The Cajuns are hot, too. Coastal Carolina's hot. They've swept the last two weekends. So there's a, there's been a little bit of a shift between top six and bottom six because South Alabama has now dropped into that bottom six where I don't think that they were expecting to be. But this was, this was a, a little bit of a movement this weekend for sure. Well, let's go ahead and start out there. You guys played uh, uh, South Alabama this weekend. Uh, kind of, I don't think anybody expected that. I mean, did, I mean, I think if, if we would ask you and your coaches, two out of three going into South Alabama, you'd said, hey, we'll run with it. But the sweep? Oh, especially considering that they hadn't been swept at a conference home series since you guys did it back in 14. That, that's a big deal. They're not used to being in that spot in their ballpark. They couldn't get into their game plan. They only got the leadoff guy on eight times in three games, and only two of those times it was on a leadoff hit. So they really needed to take pitches. They tried to get Georgia Southern's pitch counts up with walks, and they had some mid-five pitches in game one. But the theme that Colin and I talked about all weekend long was they just didn't generate enough hard contact. They did hit a couple long home runs, which you just got to give them. But for the most part, the Eagles were getting bouncers to the middle infield. They were getting weak pop-outs, very atypical of South Alabama. Miles Simington was really good. He had seven hits in the three games. But when Georgia Southern got to Boswell early, got to Booker early, and then didn't let Learman settle in after he started out pretty well, the bullpen for them was good. But they didn't do enough with the opportunities that they gave themselves, and that's why the Eagles got all three of the games. You know, it was one of those things, too. Last year, you would have expected that out of South Alabama. They were pitching well, but weren't hitting the ball well. I mean, they had timely hitting, though. Two out hitting, uh, runners in scoring position, they were hitting the ball well. But this year, this was a, is a team that South Alabama can hit the ball. So what was the – how did, I guess, Georgia Southern keep them off balance? It was that. It was the fact that they did keep them off balance. They used Ty Fisher in game one, the lefty who can vary the speeds of his fastballs. He's got a number of different off-speed pitches. He was able to generate a lot of off-the-barrel contact. I think he gave up, it seemed like, 13 ground balls to second base. I know that wasn't the number, but they just they couldn't square him up. Finally got to him in the eighth inning once he came back out. At that point, it was a 2-1 game, and then Georgia Southern gave up a run to go behind 3-2. to two. But to the Eagles' ongoing credit of coming back late, they did it again in the ninth inning off of Miles Smith, the preseason pitcher of the year. They get three runs against him. Austin Thompson homers to tie it, and then you get RBI singles from Swan and Avant, and then Jay Thompson finishes things up in the bottom half after they got a run back to cut it to one. And in, in game two, Georgia Southern jumped JoJo Booker, hit second straight weekend that he had really struggled. They had to hold him off in the final four innings. Bullpen was really good. And then yesterday, getting behind 2 nothing going into the fourth, Christian Avant threw out Middleton at home to finish up the fourth inning. And from there, the momentum shifted, got four runs right away. J.P. Tig made his return. He had a two-run home run, even though Jesse Sherrill got scratched about 45 minutes before the first pitch. I think he's going to be fine. He should be okay for this week. Blake Evans stepped in. He hadn't started since March the 5th. He gave the Eagles a hit and a run scored. 
He was part of a caught stealing in the first inning. And they just they took control after that fourth inning. And to, to see South Alabama struggling to gain momentum in their own ballpark, it was strange. But at the same time, it was really nice to see the Eagles back up that number 19 national ranking that they had gotten earlier in the week. You know, South Alabama doesn't lose a whole lot of games at home. So congrats to you guys. Uh, it, it wasn't the it, is it that time of year where the uh, the termites come out in the evening? You know, two of the games were at night, but I didn't notice that. Okay. Oh, you would have noticed. Trust me. Okay. I guess they did. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That, that 2014 series we were – no, it was. It might have been uh, 16. We were out there, and I'm telling you, you were swarmed. It looked like the locusts is coming in during a plague. It was, oh, people running and people screaming, and it was, ah, disgusting. <laughs> so uh, it, it was uh, – not not a fun time over there, that's for sure. But hey, you would have noticed. All right, good enough. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at the scores right here. Friday night, as you might expect, but at the same time, it hasn't happened all year. All one run games. I mean, are are guys finally settling in? I know, I know it it was the first weekend of the second half of conference play. Are guys falling into their roles now, you think? You would hope that they have because if they haven't, it's really tough to do in May. And I know that's what Arkansas State is going to have to do, but look at what they've done. They've taken two of their last three weekends. They took both from Little Rock, and then they won that series from Troy that finished up a day earlier than everybody else. So they're 4-1 over their last five, and they always play well late April, early May anyway. But for most teams, if you don't know who you are at this point, you can't just catch lightning in a bottle and a phrase that a lot of coaches will use. What I will say is that even though that Georgia Southern has been pretty consistent, it seems like the Cajuns have remained consistent after taking that series. And we'll probably talk a little bit about coastal here soon. They've gotten their weekend pitching, right? They have quality starts in five of their last six weekend games. That's why they won six straight conference efforts and that series in Statesboro this weekend they're all going to be big considering that the Eagles backed up being the number 19 team. But I like to see teams that understand who they are and can play really good baseball because it improves the overall profile of this league after it's probably been down since getting multiple teams back in 2018. Yeah. UTA coastal Carolina, as you, as you mentioned, coastal, you know, a couple of weeks ago and, and actually more than a couple of weeks ago, talking with you and Jay. And I believe when you and Colin were in town, uh, playing the Cajuns, I, I asked, is, is Coastal broken? Is, you know, it, are, has, the, has the shine gone off of them? But they, you know, they took three. It was UTA, don't get me wrong, but still, taking three is still nice. Uh, yeah, with, with UTA, that's a team that's going to be here to end the regular season. They've dropped 11 in a row now. They played as well as I think they could in game three. They were up in the sixth inning, but their bullpen couldn't hold it. They, they've tried to shorten things up using David Moffitt a little bit more than he was even doing before out of that bullpen. And they got the top two relievers as starters this year with King and with Wong. They're, they're not hitting enough, and that's different for a Darren Thomas team because usually when it warms up, despite their tough midweek schedule, when it warms up, they usually start to swing the bats up a lot better they don't strike out a lot typically but they have just hit a really rough patch and unfortunately they aren't they aren't the owners of a great season ending record 
since he has been coached. I, I know that they hit well as the season goes on, but they hit these patches. It's deeper in the season where they usually start to slide. They haven't really ended a lot of seasons that well. Last year they had a chance to get to the title before losing to South in the semifinals. But for them, if they don't figure out how to get it right quickly, they're going to be one of the two teams that doesn't make the tournament. You know, Brad Topham talked about it on the Cajuns broadcast. Uh, he felt like uh, last year it seemed like that UTA was running out a lot of, uh, uh, you know, fourth-year juniors, fifth-year seniors on the pitching staff. Is it is their pitching staff just younger than what it's been in the past, from what you can tell? I think a little bit, and that is something with Arlington that they are they are usually a veteran team, and that's not just because of COVID. That's because that they get a lot of JUCO guys. That's just been the recruiting philosophy. Whether it's been John Winty there, I know he left a couple of years ago after being their pitching coach, but Darren Thomas has always loaded up on JUCO guys, specifically JUCO starting pitchers. Some guys they only get for a year. Somebody like a Carlos Tavera was a bounce back guy. He was there before, went to Weatherford, and then came back and was the pitcher of the year last year. It was just filthy. Nobody could really figure him out. That that's the the gift of having experience is oftentimes the takeaway of not having cohesion. And I'm not saying they're not a together team, but usually when you get one. When you go JUCO route, you don't get the other. Sometimes it all fits and you explode, but usually you can get the one, but you don't get the other. And I would imagine that's been the source of some of their struggles, at least over the last few weekends. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. And I, I have to believe, too, that being in the Dallas Metroplex area, they get a lot of guys that are transfers from other uh, Texas schools, too, uh, that are either kind of coming home or uh, want to want to to get into a little different league, I guess, get some playing time. So that's a, it, it really is tough to, to get that good balance. Um, you know, we talked about uh, Texas State a little bit. Uh, I, for one, was glad to see Texas State bounce back after after their, their series with, with uh, Georgia Southern because we kind of joked about it, uh, several of the guys here, we felt like we might have broken South Alabama after after the after we beat them, and, and they they've kind of gone spiraling down. But Texas State able to bounce back, winner of nine now. I know it was Little Rock, but at the same time, three to two on Saturday, but uh, Friday, but Saturday, thirty runs. I'm not sure you can do thirty runs in batting practice. You know, we were making the joke in the in the press box after the game. It was thirty. It was. It was 30 to three going into the ninth inning and Little Rock had loaded the bases with nobody out. We said, okay, if you're down 27 runs, the only way you come back is by loading the bases with nobody out. But I, I know they only got one out of it, but the, I, I think that they have been ticked off ever since Georgia Southern went down there and took the first two games of that series. They walked off to win game three, but ever since not only have they won those nine straight, but they've been pretty dominant outside of that one run win against the Trojans. They're still the top-ranked team in this league in terms of top 25. The Eagles, of course, of course, are the top RPI team. But Texas State is definitely showing the rest of the country that they are not only still in first in this league, but they would be worthy of a regional berth regardless of what happens down the stretch. They've just been punishing people lately. Well, I hope they cool off just a tad, just enough. And uh, uh, I wouldn't mind them uh, winning every game going into the Cajun series in, in about three weeks when we head to uh, – to San Marcos. So, 
uh, good deal. Um, sorry, I, I got lost here. Uh, Troy, Arkansas State. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I felt no love lost at Arkansas State. Took two out of three from Troy. I mean, that's a, I, I know that would I know as a Cajun fans, we, we can say what if. But at the same time, if we're not swept by Troy, maybe we don't bounce back the way we do. So I, I think that was and all in all, I think it was good. That was different because, well, at least for Arkansas State, it was the second straight weekend. They had to play a doubleheader. It ended their weekend early, the second straight weekend, but they had to play another doubleheader. Troy ended up switching its pitching. They kept Gainus on Friday, but originally it was going to be Rigsby Mosley, who's been in the weekend rotation for about a, about three weeks now. He had been a midweek starter before that, taking him out of the outfield, but they want his arm on the mound. He was originally going to start game two, and then they were going to go fuller for game three. They actually flipped them. It almost worked out, but then in that third game, after Troy took the lead, Arc State comes back in the bottom half. They go walk, walk, hit by pitch, and there was some controversy on that hit by pitch. There was an attempt at a square. Originally, it was called a ball. It was overruled hit by pitch. Skyler Mead went crazy, probably should have gotten tossed out for the argument, but they ended up getting the bases loaded. Another walk, another walk. Arc State walks off with a series win. Yeah, I was. I happened to uh, flip that game on and uh, forgot what I was doing, but I, I kept rewinding to see what would happen. And uh, I think he had an argument there to be upset about it, quite honestly. But uh, it is what it is. I, I was glad to see Troy uh, lose lose two out of three. With with them, they've got the offense to stick with anybody in this league, but they have a couple of bad series losses. At home, three games against Little Rock, and I know that Arch State is playing better, but for them, that's one that they had to look at as one they needed to win. They were still top 75 in the RPI going into the weekend, but you dropped two out of three. Now you're outside the top 100. So if you're going to make a run, it's probably got to start from here forward. Give Skyler Mead a lot of credit for coming in as a first-year guy moving a lot of parts around as a pitching guy, trying to rearrange the staff and their bullpen ERAs have gone down considerably this year. You got Oates on the back end, who's been one of their top guys once more. They're always going to be in it because of their ability to hit. But something that hasn't gotten a whole lot of pub, Adam Prendergast bringing it to people's attention going into the weekend, Clay Stearns has caught 26 consecutive games for them. And somebody in Caleb Bartolero, who was groomed as one of the league's top catchers the last three years, He's been unseated and now plays almost all outfield. But does 20-something games in a row, though, as a catcher, don't you need a break? Well, it's funny you bring that up because Kyler Holtgren for Georgia Southern had caught the previous 16 games, but he's had to do that because the other two guys, freshman Sean White's been dealing with a little bit of an injury. He's been available, but he's been banged up. J.P. Tighe broke his arm on a backswing against Miami, Ohio in early March. He made his return this week, got his first start since that Miami, Ohio series. And what does he do? He gets the go-ahead home run in that four-run fifth inning. So I would imagine that Tighe and Holkren will be able to split the duties at least down the stretch. Now it seems in college, you don't want to have to have the same guy catch every game. If you can have multiple guys split and share the reps, especially when one bat's right-handed and the other bat's left-handed, that's a luxury. Yeah, I know for the Cajuns, uh, I really feel like it was when Julian Brock got a rest for – it was just half a game because the Cajuns jumped out in front of somebody big. 
it made a whole difference. I'm going to have to take a look at that. It's a good thought for me. Take a look at that and see what, what went on after that, what Julian's batting now, which is a great segue for our, uh, going into the uh, Georgia State uh, Cajun series. What did you see? Not so much. I'm, I mean, I know you weren't watching the games, but you followed the games closely. We had two complete games, one of them a seven inning complete game on a Sunday, but still, this is a pitching staff that has not, I won't say has, has no one's dominated our pitching for our pitching staff, but we showed some great outings. And I think this Jacob Schultz on Saturday and then Jeff Wilson again on Sunday for his second complete game. Um, See, a, a lot of times people think that to be a dominant starter, you've got to throw 95 with ridiculous breaking stuff. And that's not necessarily the case. Now, if you got that out of the bullpen, then you'll get oohs and ahs and you'll get a lot of posts on social media about it. But as a starter, knowing that you've got to throw somewhere between most of the time 85 and 110 pitches, you better be consistent, which means you've got to have command of multiple pitches. And that's what the Cajuns have with their starters. Tally may not blow you away. Schultz may not blow you away. Wilson may not blow you away. But when they flood the strike zone, when they stay on the corners, when they can strike out people and they can use their defense instead of getting gap-to-gap hit, then you're going to be able to stick with anybody. And you've seen that for, what, it's been five straight series victories to get into the top portion of the conference and a threat to maybe win the regular season, depending on what happens with Texas State and Georgia Southern, but it does appear that there is a clear top three now after this weekend. And I would say that it's trending towards those three being in the regional discussion. Look, there's still a month left, but this is a topic that we've gone over for a few weeks now. The trend is multiple teams, but right now it's those three that are on the up and up. And if they continue to have winning weeks, take series and then be successful in the conference tournament. I don't think it's out of the question to think that all three wouldn't be in the serious discussion to be in the regionals this year. I, I, I agree with you there. I'll tell you what, Danny, let's take our, uh, our break right here and let's come back and talk about the conference standings a little bit, talk a little bit about the RPI, what the uh, Sunbelt has done this year and a little, let's dig into a little bit more uh, way too early to look ahead never too early as fans to look ahead at what the conference uh at what the conference tournament will look like you're listening to we're talking today with craig malonsaw and danny reed of the georgia southern sports network we'll be right back after this quick timeout welcome back into we're talking today craig malonsaw and danny reed of the georgia southern sports network danny let's talk about quickly the standings texas state georgia southern louisiana coastal at the top uh any surprise there? I think that we've gotten to where we maybe thought, but it just took a little while to say, okay, they're there, they're there, Coastals. I'm, with them, it's always tough because you get fooled by national championship. It's been six years now. You've got to figure out how to be a program in a new league. A year ago, step back. Sub-500 conference record, but now their starting pitching has been really good. Tyler Johnson and Eric Brown have been two of the league's best hitters. They've infused some transfers into that starting nine. I think they figured out who they can be, 
now it's who they need to be going down the stretch if they want to win the regular season. I think they're on the fringe of getting some regional love, but they still need to do a little bit more. Yeah, you know, you have, um, you know, Coastal is, is, like I said, I I was ready to sell on them uh, three weeks ago, but we'll see what happens there. But RPI-wise, Georgia Southern at number three right now, and 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 uh, I was about to say Warren Nolan had jet number two yeah. going into the day on Sunday, but still, I I know it's your team, it's your team that you follow, it's the team you broadcast for, but still, uh, three with a twenty-seven and twelve record feels pretty good. Well, I caution people, and I've told some of our fans this, that, look, it's great to be that high. It is awesome to look at the RPI and only see Tennessee and Notre Dame above you. But it's going to come down regardless of how much Georgia Southern keeps winning. Yeah. Because 12 of their final 16 are at home. Road wins are are weighted differently. One of those road games left is at Georgia Tech in a couple of weeks in May. But – Home is where you got to handle your business. Kennesaw State's going to come here tomorrow and Wednesday. They're a top 30 RPI team. We've already talked a couple of times about Coastal. Troy will be here the next week after no midweek games, and I think this team would value some extra rest time after all the travel they've just had over the last month. Then you go to Georgia Tech and Little Rock to wrap up your road schedule, and then you finish up at home with UT Arlington. So it would appear that the Eagles have set themselves up well but if you don't handle your business at home after all the work that you did on the road, then you're going to find yourself in a much different spot. The number is going to come down. It's not going to stay at three yeah. the rest of the year. That's, that's not reasonable, and you'd be foolish to think that it is. But if the Eagles continue to win, they're going to continue to gain respect, and they're going to make themselves possibly in regardless of what they do in the conference tournament. But they just got to keep doing what they're doing. Uh, I agree with you there. Uh, it's just – it's fun to see another Sunbelt team uh, that high. It's been a, it's been a while since any, and I, I, I guess I'm not sure the last time a Sunbelt team is hosted. Um, I guess it would have been you guys and no, no, you guys in 16, I guess, wouldn't it have been? Uh, we did host in 16. Or no, it would have been uh, Coastal. Coastal would have hosted one year. Coastal yeah. would have hosted an 18. Okay. Well, that, we'll was near the, that was near the Washington went there and beat them. We'll have to go back and look at that. That's an interesting uh, discussion for me. Uh, midweek games, though, you brought up the Kennesaw State Series. Good RPI games for you guys. A good baseball team coming yeah. in Kennesaw State. Uh, how does Georgia Southern pitch that with back-to-back nights? I, I'm, it, I know I'll probably tell you this going into each week. I don't know who the Eagles are going to use, especially when you've got two midweek games and people that are going to listen to this are wondering, why are you playing back-to-back midweek games this late in the season? Well, this was supposed to be three weeks ago, but that game got called off because of bad weather. It just so happened that both teams had the Tuesday date available. And considering how good a position both are in, both are probably pretty eager to play these, especially if you're Kennesaw, to come here and try to take two from a top five RPI team. 
They've got one of the better offenses in the country. Josh Hatcher is a Mississippi State transfer who's hit for the cycle twice this year. He's still batting 410 this late in the season. He has been the linchpin of that lineup. They got a guy in Tyler Simon who's been a four-year starter on the infield. Midweek pitching, it is always a roll of the dice, but it does seem like they've got more arms than usual. And that's a credit to new pit new staff with, with Ryan Coe. He took over for Mike Sansing, who was the head coach there for three decades. And he led them through every possible level. But now that it's Coe's program, he was a former scout for the Rangers for, I believe, a dozen years. It, it seems like it hasn't been that difficult of a transition. And I know that they're looking at these as pretty big games currently for the team that's first place in the Atlantic Sun. Um, I, I'm anxious to watch the Cajuns do not have a midweek game this, uh, this week because of the travel to Georgia State and, and then this week, uh, this weekend coming up, the travel to App State. But Troy is at Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Has that been a uh, – that's not a, that difficult of a drive for them, but has that been a, uh, uh, a, a game that's been played a lot? I don't remember Troy playing Georgia Tech that much. They did play each other back in the fall. Because the last couple of years, NCAA said you could have a couple of false scrimmages. Georgia Southern had theirs down at Florida and Gainesville this past fall. Troy has played, they play most of their in-state teams, which is what you do in the midweek. You've got to yep. find a way to get games quickly with travel considerations. I, I don't know how much they played in the regular season, but they did see each other last fall. Okay. Uh, I, I just don't remember seeing that ever on the, on the schedule. And uh, um, it's, a, it's a game that I hope Troy wins. Uh, Georgia State at Georgia. I'm hoping once again that you know two lost two weekend series that the Georgia State has fallen to. Uh, do they have a? I know everybody has a chance, but is, how how good is Georgia, and how good is Georgia State's midweek pitching? The the thing that teams often have to do with their midweek pitching is go mix and match. But at least if you're Georgia State, you've had a guy in Dylan Matella that's been your midweek guy the whole year. And he has been someone that's gone four or five innings each time. And with as much as they hit the ball, they can pick off teams like they did with Georgia Tech right before they came down to Statesboro, which made that three-game sweep last weekend that much more impressive. But now you look at it and they dropped six of their last seven games. And the only win in the middle of that was a walk-off win against Kennesaw last midweek. But for Georgia, very good offense. Their pitching has really improved. I know we're not talking weekend, but they've got one of the best pitchers in the country in Jonathan Cannon. He's going to be a first-round pick this year, even though he's been fighting some arm issues. Very talented offense, a very veteran offense. Georgia State, though, with their ability to swing it, they can play with anybody. If they could just find a way to make plays in the field, which they had done going into last weekend, their defense betrayed them in that series finale. If they make plays, pitch a little bit, and let their bats do the work, there's no reason to think they can't win that game. You mentioned, though, the, the starter for Georgia, that that uh, weekend guy. But at the same time, doesn't doesn't success breed success in your program? Don't 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 pitchers feed off each other a little bit, just as hitters do when they come to the plate. You'd think so, and we saw it for the Eagles this past weekend, especially with the bullpen, and after they had blown a 5-1 lead in the Wednesday loss to Florida State, the last two games, Georgia Southern's bullpen didn't give up a run over 11 and two-thirds innings. Now, they had to throw a lot, and I think they were going into the Sunday game thinking that'd be the case anyway with Hayden Harris pitching for the second time in, in one week. He went inning and two-thirds, but 
four different guys coming behind. Danny Madden was good. Anthony DeMola was good. And Jay Thompson, who threw more than 100 pitches last week in three relief appearances, he comes back in, goes the last two and a third. He just got a lot of quick outs and continues to do things that amaze us. But I, I, I would agree if you can get the right kind of guys that you can feed off each other on the mound, just like you can at the plate, because you don't want to be the guy that doesn't come through for your team. Okay. Uh, just just quickly on, on three other games that I think that are important for the Sun Belt to win. Texas State at UTSA. Uh, you, I believe Texas State had to come back in extra innings last week hosting UTSA at home. Um, and then here comes the rain already. A little early for us, I thought. It's supposed to be afternoon rain, of course. It's 7.30 a.m. Thank you. Uh, uh, Tulane at South Alabama. Tulane's having a good season this year, and I think that's important for South Alabama now to bounce back and to show something if they want to move forward. I think this is the start for them if they want to move forward into uh, better play in Sunbelt Conference. Especially since Tulane just took two out of three from East Carolina. They're locked in a three-way tie atop the American they're looking for some at-large discussion. They've had a really good season. And if you're South, you've got a five-game week because you've got Tulane at home tomorrow. Then you got to go to New Orleans on Wednesday. And then you go to Texas State this weekend. That's a huge upcoming week after losing three straight at home where you haven't done that in conference play since 14. So if they're going to get back on track, it's going to have to be really, really quickly against the Texas State team that's won nine straight. Yeah. Uh, the final game, uh, yeah, I, I say yeah, and then I, I move on to something else. ADD kicks in, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, but the uh, South Alabama has really got, like you said, they've got to start rolling if they're going to they're gonna bring in. And there's a good opportunity in Tulane on the midweek. I did not know that they had the uh, – the uh, the New Orleans game, it's not showing on their schedule. I think that was one that was rescheduled. Okay, it's not it's not on their schedule and it's not on the Sun Belt schedule. So either one, but all right. Besides the point, uh, Louisiana Tech heading to uh, Little Rock, another another good team. I, I know we've talked about it in the past, but this is something where the uh, Sun Belt teams have to beat our peer peer conferences, especially in Conference USA and uh, the American, but Little Rock is not that powerhouse team, and, and Louisiana Tech can really hit the ball. Do they have a chance at home? Look, I know you're just extra fired up that it's Louisiana Tech. <laughs> you, you, you could be honest. That's okay. It's just between you and me. Yeah, I hate the Bulldogs. Crush the little uh, – I'm going to shut up right now. Careful now. Careful. All right, now. we're going to move on from there. <laughs> Let's talk about the weekend real quick. Uh, We've talked about RPI, the standings last weekend, the upcoming game. But this weekend is really, you know, I, I, I said this uh, in, in my newsletter for the Diamond Club. It seems like Georgia Southern every week has a big series. I mean, again, this weekend, Coastal Carolina coming in. Uh, what, what, what's, what's that? I, I know you got two games before that, but Coastal Carolina – uh, this is a good opportunity for both teams to make a little, to make a little uh, move. But how do you see that? Well, the Eagles have won ten straight games at home. They're 
doing really well at J.I. Clemens, one of their best home records since the ballpark got renovated back in 2005. But I will reference how well Coastal Carolina has done with their weekend pitching. You can look in one way and say that it's been against Arlington and it's been against App State, two of the offenses in the league that haven't been that great. But at the same time, they were really struggling beforehand. They had Nick Parker at one point as the Friday guy. He has bumped all the way back to number three. Reed Van Scooter was the number two. Now he's the number one and with a sub three ERA and up to seven wins on the season. That's tied for the league lead with Georgia Southern's Javon Ray. And Michael Norris, somebody that they have just thrust into the rotation. He's made seven starts, but he has followed everybody else. They're getting into the sixth and seventh innings with relative ease these last couple of weekends. And for a bullpen that has not been yet that good this year, it's taken a lot off of them. And we know they're going to be able to score. We talked already about Johnson and Brown being two of the better bats in the league this year, but with White, with McDermott, with having Nick Lucky back for his fourth year in the program, you, you can't mess with him. It, it, you, you can't be fooled by Coastal thinking that it's a national championship squad, but at the same time, also don't be fooled by the way this team played earlier this year because the way they're playing right now, they're pitching it as well as anybody in this league. Yeah, but sometimes it takes a series against the UTA or a little rock to get your, your, your ball club rolling and gaining some confidence. And baseball players are, are superstitious and they're all about confidence. And once they get on a roll, that can be very beneficial to Coastal. So, like you said, I, I don't sleep on them, but uh, I'll be anxious to watch that series this weekend. They've, they've swept three of their last four weekends. The only one they didn't, they got swept by Georgia State, which is kind of confusing now considering that the Panthers have hit their rough patch. But the Coastal's proven that if they have a chance to finish a weekend, they're going to finish a weekend, regardless of if it's at Springs Brooks or if it's in your house. So that one's, that one's going to get a lot more attention. The rankings did just come out. Georgia Southern is up to number 17 in Baseball America, and they bump up one spot in D1 Baseball to number 24. What about Texas State, since you have it up? Let's see. <laughs> Texas State is still 17. Okay. Well, uh, I get it. I get it. No, but Never mind. I'm not going to comment on that right now. Um, but, that, that, but that's what we talked about before. When you've got a Little Rock team that's under 200 in the RPI, yeah. you got to sweep it. If you're yeah. going to be in the top 25, you got to sweep it. You have to. Yeah. Um, Georgia State, Troy, is – Georgia State, I know, I know they've struggled the last two weekends or so, but at the same time, Troy is a, a, is a ballpark that I think Georgia State can hit in. And, am I wrong there? No, you you got that one. You're right on. So uh, – I'm looking for Georgia State to bounce back. I know I know it's sometimes the team we love to hate, but I like what uh, their head coach is doing over there. And, and Troy right now, uh, maybe it's part of it's just me. I know that uh, since we got swept by Troy, uh, I, I look for them to lose a, a few more games. So there is no tiebreaker between the Trojans and the, and the Cajuns. But uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, South Alabama, Texas State. Uh, man, that's that's a that's a game. Texas State has been hitting the the mess out of the ball, though. 
Yeah, that's I, I know that they're you know, Little Rock's been the top average hitting team in the league for almost the whole season. South has ascended up there a little bit, but Texas State's the best offense I've seen in this league. How it's does a really good offense? How how does Little Rock stay up there, but yet the, but the, they're is it just pitching that are they that inept at pitching? Well, they I got to, I'm sorry. Well, they've got two of the better guys in the league at what they do. Hayden Arnold was a preseason. Hayden Arnold was a pitcher of the year in this league, and he's got a two seven six after ten starts. Sawyer Smallwood's made eighteen appearances. He's got a sub three ERA out of their bullpen. It seems like that's been pretty consistent for them. They've got one really good starter and at least one really good reliever offensively. They've got some gaudy numbers. I know that they schedule similar to Troy, where they try to load up. In the non-conference, they play in a hitter-friendly ballpark. I know the wall is tall at Gary Hogan, but it's very hitter-friendly. All you got to do is find a way to get it over the 16-foot high, and you're in pretty good shape. But Canyon McWilliams, Noah Dickerson, Nathan Lyons have all been really good for much of the season. Dickerson was amongst the league leaders in RBIs for a while. They just have a collective approach where they can hit with anybody, and they're also running more. They're second in the conference in stolen bases behind only the Raging Cajuns. So even if they don't get hits, if they are getting guys on base, they don't walk a lot, but if they're just getting guys on base, they've shown that they're going to run to try to get you uncomfortable. Well, and I think that – I love the fact that when, when teams run and stolen bases, I think that's part of the game. I think that's a lost art in Major League Baseball. Uh, I, I know chicks love the long ball, but, man, I, I love a 3-4 game. So – or a 2-1 game sometimes. But – so ULM going up to Little Rock, though, can ULM hit the ball up there? I hope so. <laughs> I, I would hope so. I, would, I really would. They're, they're probably going to have their issues with Arnold in game one because everybody has issues with Arnold in game one, and by throwing him where they do, they've got a chance every Thursday or Friday whenever the series starts. Games two and three, they need to slug to give themselves a chance, but if they do – if they can give it to Smallwood in that bullpen, then that's why they can pick off a series on the road from somebody like a Troy. But they've still got to do it their way. They can't back into it. They've got to be able to do it the Little Rock way. Finally, uh, Louisiana at App State. Uh, the Cajuns are heading there. I know you guys played there. Was it the first weekend of conference play? Yes. Weather was a little bit different than it's going to be this weekend. Uh, what what do the Cajuns need to do to take care of App State? Nothing different. Continue don't, playing. Don't, don't do anything different. You got, you got the late rally with Kimple's home run in one of the games, got down in game three, ended up slugging the tar out of the ball and the final one and the fact that you got two complete games and you didn't have to put more stress on the bullpen with Bonds. And I know he had to throw game one, but not having to utilize a number of arms to sweep a team that, went into the week before 10 and two in conference. You don't want to shift away from what you're doing unless whoever you're playing makes you do that. Like what Georgia Southern was able to do to South Alabama and weren't expecting to see that, but it was very pleasant to see because as they were trying to figure out their offense on the fly by taking pitch after pitch after pitch, it cost them because I don't think that they ultimately swung at the pitches that they needed to, to win at least one of those games. I'm just noticing, so I, well, I've noticed this all year long. I don't know why, 
one three of one of uh, Little Rock series is is marked as a conference play, and I'm not sure why the conference can't figure out that their statistics are wrong. I mean, Little Rock has not played three more conference games than anybody else. Yeah, I saw that too, and I, I think that's just a glitch. But I, I know that team can hit, and I also know that when Georgia Southern goes out there in three weeks, the offense is a lot different because those teams haven't seen each other. Period since the 2019 tournament didn't play in didn't play in 21 had the four games in 19 but they are markedly different than the last time that they were on the same field together but I do know that they can hit and I do know that Hayden Arnold is one of the league's best starting pitchers yeah well the reason I, I got a little I did not realize the Cajuns were batting 283 in conference play which which is not great but at the same time it's much improved from what we were doing early on in the season. So uh, hopefully we can raise that a little bit more at App State. Does the ball carry there? I mean, is that, I mean, because the Cajuns, I, I know Georgia State, everybody asked me, why does Georgia State have so many home runs? Well, I, I believe two thirds of their home runs have come at home and yeah. they do, it's a hitter's ballpark there yeah. as far as home run wise. Yeah. Um, but what about App State's field? I mean, is that, uh, I'm not going to act like I know what the weather is going to be in yeah. Boone this weekend, but this time of the year, I would expect it to travel a little bit better, especially if you can find the gaps. It seems like it's huge whenever it goes that far, but I don't know what it is, but if you hit the ball in the air there, it just seems like it stays up there forever. It, it, it's definitely conducive to more home runs when it gets warmer. And for them with their weekend pitching being m much more mishmashy, the last few weekends, it seems like they do have some bullpen help with Carter and Eli Ellington has figured it out a little bit after he got off to a rough start. But they're another one where the margin for error is pretty small. And even if they score early, they've got to find a way to get it to their best arm in the pen. And maybe they can take one, but they're of the they're in that Arlington camp where if they don't establish something soon, then they're going to find themselves in the bottom two, and Arkansas State is going to find a way to pass both of them. You know, uh, Coastal Carolina, I'm just, I'm just looking at some some things that I, I find interesting here. It, uh, Coastal Carolina has 134 runs, which is, is good for second in runs scored in conference play, but Texas State at 160, so second's at 134, but even if you take away those 30 runs in game two uh, against Little Rock, there's, that would still put Texas State in second in the league and run scored. They're they are hitting the snot out of the ball. So, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah you, yeah, you guys enjoy that series. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm making that trip. I'm hoping – well, I don't know. If, if, if we continue, well, I may not make the trip. I don't want to jinx them. So, hey, Danny, uh, thank you so much. Any last words of wisdom on conference play? Uh, anything coming up? Uh, well, for Georgia Southern, just having just finished up the stretch of, what was it, 12 out of 15 on the road, they're going to finish with 12 of 16 at home. Been really good here this year. The schedule is still unforgiving with Coastal and Troy still on it. You got to go to Georgia Tech. You got Mercer here, of course, the two coming up against Kennesaw. But if, if you're a Cajun fan, enjoy the ride as much as you can. Keep winning, and the RPI is going to keep climbing. And – Let's just hope that this league gets back to being a multi-bid league the way that it should be.
I, I hope so too. I think the three teams there, I'm a little surprised that Texas state's RPI is not as high, high as it is, but I haven't really dug into their schedule to see why that is either. So uh, it seems like they played some pretty good games against Texas, UTSA, uh, Sunbelt play and so on and so forth. But hopefully, uh, hopefully they will get up there. I'd love to see three teams from the Sunbelt in. It'll make the NCAA tournament very fun. To watch. Yeah, it would also set the stage for our four new friends coming into the league next year where it could be an explosive postseason situation from there on. But we'll, we'll live in the here and now, and we'll talk about next year next year. Exactly. It's going to be fun going forward. So, uh, you know, you got, you got Southern Miss with the 12 RPI, Louisiana Tech 50, Middle Tennessee 51. I know they're not coming in, but Old Dominion at 63. Uh, Marshall, it's got some work to do. But other than that, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So, hey, Danny, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Appreciate you getting up early. I know you guys got back late last night. Uh, hopefully it was a good trip. I mean, it's always fun to win, so it had to have been a good trip. Yeah, especially against South, because they've, they've kind of had the Eagles number in the conference tournament championship a few times and in other ways, but re really nice weekend and hope it, hope it just keeps getting better. Well, good luck to you all this week, and we'll talk to you uh, next Monday. You've been listening. We're talking with Craig Melanson and Danny Reed of the Georgia Southern Sports Radio Network. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.